Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Grow With Soul. Today is a coaching episode with Agnes Becker of We Are Stardust. Craving less time in front of a computer and more mud in her life, science communicator Agnes started We Are Stardust as a way to bring to life the wonder of science and nature through prints and greetings cards. She now finds herself at a place where she wants to grow the business to be financially sustainable, but doesn't want to be a greetings card factory. So she's looking at how she can pivot. In this episode, we talk about starting a pivot, understanding and using your purpose, narrowing down all the ideas to not be overwhelming and how to bring your audience along with you. So let's dive in. Hi, Agnes. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we just had our boiler reinstalled, so now I'm nice and cosy and warm, which is very welcome at the moment. Oh, yes, <laughs> that is definitely what's needed in a snowy January. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, well, we were literally just saying off air how it's so funny that, because I think, I don't know whether we started out at about the same time, but I certainly feel like for as long as I've been on Instagram, I've kind of followed and known you and I just can't get my head around the fact we've never actually spoken (laughs) I know yeah yeah I think we did start around the same time around 2016 yeah 2017 that kind of time Mm. um and I've just loved watching your business grow and yeah learning about how you've done things and yes, I see. I feel like I know you really well, and yet we haven't ever spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I've got your prints in my house. And <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. that's a bit of a, a, a spoiler alert for for what you actually do. So, for anybody who who doesn't know, tell us a little bit about your story and and what you do. I have currently two businesses so one is as a freelance science communications consultant and I'll go into that in a bit and then the other one which is how we know each other is uh, We Are Stardust which is a greetings card shop and print shop where art and science collide and the idea is that each design captures a fact or story or curiosity um, about the natural world to kind of spark a moment of wonder for the amazing messy universe that we live in. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess the story is I've been trying to kind of figure out how to <laughs> how to tell it, but it's, it sort of starts as I think with most of us, you know, in childhood. So, growing up, we had a wonderful garden that my mum looked after. It was kind of wild and full of yeah beautiful plants and things. And I used to spend a lot of time outside. That was almost the first bit of nature that I got to know a lot of time outside imagining I was exploring a jungle you know gathering unusual Mm -hmm. specimens I used to make maps of explorations and collect strange stones and shells and flowers and all this kind of thing and my parents really encouraged that kind of curiosity about the world and storytelling as well learning about the people behind discoveries or the people behind um, artworks and that kind of thing. So there was never a kind of division between art and science at that point. It was all about sort of exploring the world around you. And then, of course, at school, those divisions started to... um, started to appear yeah <laughs> and often I don't know if you found this at school you were either classed as a sciencey one or an mm. arty one yeah and so then I didn't know quite where I belonged I sort of sat in the middle of the two um it wasn't quite arty you know arty enough to be an arty not quite sciencey enough to be a scientist um sort of in in between the two and um and that was quite quite tricky I mean at start primary school wasn't too bad but it, it sort of started to emerge really towards A level and then university choices so I was forced at this kind of university time to kind of choose between the two because there wasn't a clear course that I could take that mixed mm. the both mix both of them and I ended up studying natural sciences at university 
which I really loved. I also couldn't choose between the subjects, right? So <laughs> Just all of them. Generic <laughs> natural science. You could pick and choose which science you wanted to study. So I ended up doing lots on biology and chemistry and anthropology, which I loved anthropology, sort of the, the evolution of humans. And then at the end of that, I was um, looking at what to do next. And I found out about this world called science communication, right? Which is basically, scientists don't like me saying this, but it's basically marketing for scientific research. Um, So it's communicating quite academic papers and research to um, non-academics, which given what we're going through at the moment with a pandemic, Mm. it is so important to do. So I started working, I did a master's in science media production. It was, I wanted to go to TV, working documentaries. And I tried after my master's so many different fields. I tried TV, museums, and I eventually settled working in universities with researchers. So I would be part of a research team and they would produce their papers or they would start um, their research. And my job was to start connecting them with groups that would eventually be able to use the research that they were doing. So that might be policymakers, that might be other funders, might be other researchers. That was what I did for quite a long time. And there's lots I loved about that that period of time, <laughs> but there were lots of things that were sat quite uncomfortably as well. Mm. And I never felt, even with working, you know, working in TV and museums, I never felt I really belonged in any of those places there's various different ways of communicating science which never really none of them really resonated with me so often the ones at the science museum I don't worked at London Science Museum which is so much fun lovely place but I could never progress and basically they pay you peanuts mm. um <laughs> and uh, yeah so I, that kind of science communication style is all like wow look at the explosions bang crash yeah. oh, it's so amazing <laughs> Um, it was all really sort of loud and a bit shouty <laughs> and not really where um, I felt very comfortable. And then on the other sort of academic side, it could sometimes go into, you know, this really serious stuff that can influence policy. You know, I know everything that's happening within this policy sphere. How can you not even have heard about that? Where mm. have you been? You know, that kind of thing. So that all these styles kind of felt really forced and they lacked a kind of fizzy magic <laughs> I don't know quite how to describe mm. it that I, I feel when I learn about the world through science you know the, the name we are stardust is about the fact that all of us are made up of atoms that were created in the explosion of long dead stars I mean that's just incredible and that's the stuff that I love <laughs> so yes it was kind of that feeling of not really feeling like I belonged anywhere and also in academia I was in front of the computer for eight hours of the day talking about everybody else's work and nothing about I felt um, I was sort of the communications person in the middle kind of disappears Hmm. I'm not quite sure if I'm explaining that quite right but um, yeah you're just kind of serving uh, you're just this invisible sort of facilitator that in between it all and not kind of owning anything that's it yeah and also, unfortunately, in academia, I had lots of wonderful colleagues where this wasn't the case, but you often, I often felt like a sort of second-class citizen because I wasn't a researcher. And there'd be times, you know, when I introduced myself to usually senior colleagues, um, there was quite a sort of dismiss- dismissive attitude towards mm. me, like, I must obviously not be clever enough to be an academic um, and there's a sort of a lot of fighting the system to go up to the next grade. And it just felt really kind of forced and difficult. Mm. And I also really missed being in nature, you know, that kind of ex- exploration of being in my mum's garden. Um, I was in London at the time. And I, although I don't think it's particularly London, actually, that was that was making me feel that disconnect. I think it was the life, the kind of life I was lead, living in London, because there's lots of beautiful pockets of nature in London. And I really remember one training I did in my mid-twenties. It was an assertiveness training to try and um, make me feel better to speak about speak to the professors with uh, some sort of um, feeling of worth and um, val- yeah, validity. But, um, yeah, and one of the questions they asked me in that, whilst us all in that, was um, what do you want more of in your life? It ended up being more of a kind of group therapy, really. It was amazing, <laughs> of course, yeah. And um, my answer was mud. I wanted more time outside in the mud and getting messy and less time sitting on the computer for hours at a time and then I also remember really vividly being in a 
basement room without any windows and we'd I think it was a three-hour meeting or something like that with the funders and I had this really um strong image of wanting to be in a forest with the smell of wood smoke it was very bizarre Mm. just really suddenly came into my mind so yeah there's definitely this kind of feeling that something had to change this this kind of life I was living wasn't satisfying yeah it wasn't kind of yeah, I don't know quite how to explain it, fulfilling that very deep need to be part mm. of uh, part of nature. And so it all came to kind of a head after a year in a job where there wasn't much job security, unfortunately, and there wasn't much control over the, the situations, the situation. It was just a really stressful year. They were an amazing group of people, but the situation was really difficult. And I ended up getting heart palpitations. I wasn't sleeping and I desperately wanted to slow down my life and live it on my own terms so there was just this one day at the end of um end of 2016 when I was offered another sort of short three-month extension to my role and I was like I can't keep living like this Mm. from you know waiting for someone to say yes you've got a job for another three months so um I left academia and gave myself sort of three months to create a freelance business and um, build We Are Stardust alongside it, which I had been doing for quite a while. And the idea of We Are Stardust actually came when I was at the Science Museum. And I went into their shop and saw all of the different products there. And the, the kids' stuff was so kind of creative and fun and, you know, exploratory discovery. And then the adult stuff was basically nonfiction books, which are really wonderful as well. Kitchen gadgets and some postcards. It's like, oh, come on. (laughs) Why, why, when you get to adulthood, does that kind of excitement of discovery and learning have to become so serious? Mm. I don't know. So that's where the idea of We Are Stardust to create kind of little moments of wonder through these uh, greetings, cards and prints started. So, yeah, I left left academia and in 2017 um, started to build build my freelance science communication business and we started working on We Are Stardust. There's a few more bits after that. I got (laughs) getting pregnant. Uh, So in 2017, (laughs) I suddenly had lost my amazing maternity um, pay that I would have got at the university, right? So I suddenly had to really get make money quickly. And in my head, the only way to do that was through my freelance work. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what I decided in my head. Mm. Uh, so I just went full throttle with that and ended up again working on the computer for nearly six, <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> so, yeah, fast forward to 2020 and, um, yeah, it's it quite a year, wasn't it? <laughs> so I, I was just listening to your podcast about you simplifying your business and talking about um, 2020. So, yeah, I think probably a lot of us are in a, a similar Mm. A similar boat of just needing to simplify things and find that deeper purpose in what we're doing again mm. so yes I and unfortunately the one respite we had in the summer where we could go and do lovely things again I ended up getting ill I ended up having to go and have keyhole surgery just totally out of the blue to have an ovarian cyst removed and unfortunately my right ovary as well because I couldn't save it and that was a real um wake-up call it's such a cliche but um Mm -hmm. if it had been left any longer it could have burst and then that would have been really really serious Mm -hmm. so it was yeah quite a wake-up call and I started doing the artist's way I just took some time there were two things I really realized from that I really wanted more creativity and making stuff which is something I've always loved in my life and I really wanted to find that community that saw the world in the same way that I did and wanted to connect with them. So those were two clear things that came out of that experience, yeah. And so what's interesting to me with that is that, was that always, I want to be able to do this through my work? Or is is that what you're kind of grasping at, for want of a better word, to, to do it through your work as a default rather than finding another way to do it? Yeah, I don't know quite what it is. I suppose it's... um. I think this feeling of not kind of belonging in in places, particularly in my work, has kind of followed me throughout my career, career trying to find somewhere where I feel that I can flourish. Mm. And I think we are, maybe in hindsight, the reason I started We Are Stardust is to try and create that place. Yeah, I wonder if that's it. Mm. 
I'm still trying to unpick it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I wonder whether that there is a part of that for all of us when we start our own businesses. Because I know for me, it was, I I hopped from job to job and always there was something wrong with the job. And, and it wasn't until I stopped working at a job, I thought, oh, well, maybe the problem was actually me. <laughs> Um, that I just didn't, that I didn't thrive in any employed environment and I had to start something that was my own in order to have that. And yeah, I think there must be a part of that, that the urge to to do this comes from a searching for something. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I guess it's also, you know, the, the jobs that that are out there have been built on certain um societal mm-hmm. what do you call it like you know the patriarchy all those kind of things yeah um, so you do sometimes feel like you have to contort yourself to to fit into them there was a mm. good there's a good quote isn't there where um it's not about getting a seat at the table it's about building a table for yourself yes. or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> making your own table. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think I want to just uh, touch on and then we'll kind of jump into some purpose stuff is that you mentioned We Are Stardust is prints and greeting cards and it has been that way for, well, since the beginning, right? And then last year you started to because we've we've kind of spoken about this for, for about a year um, in odd emails and I remember you said to me I, d- I don't want to be a greetings card factory and that just really kind of resonated with me so you've been working on a bit of a pivot so maybe if you sort of describe what that pivot is and what's kind of what that where that came from and then we can jump off into some other stuff yeah so um when I left employment um, I started looking at how I could start to grow We Are Stardust and the logical um, next step as a greetings cards company is to go wholesale and that's how how I'd mm-hmm. be able to make enough money to make, you know, be able to do We Are Stardust more often, <laughs> if full time ideally. Mm-hmm. And um, I started going to some trade fairs like uh, uh, Top Draw just to have a look around and see what, you know, what's involved in it. And to be honest, I just hated it so much. (laughs) (laughs) It felt it felt really horrible. There were some makers who were really lovely and you know shared some of their thoughts of how they got to where they are. Others were very um, guarded, and as soon as they realised I wasn't a buyer, was just was just not interested in talking to me. And that's fine, but it just made me feel like I don't really want to be spending a lot of money and time. Spending three d- days, if they are normally three days, sitting in this warehouse trying to justify why someone should buy my things. <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. So, um, and also, as you said, you know, the result would be that I have to start becoming a small factory or outsourcing things to factories that could then you know churn out lots um of cards and prints for me and ship them around the country and there's also quite a strong as a nature love there's quite a strong sort of eco side to that that felt quite wrong so yeah I started looking at other options and and also I didn't really go into I didn't create the cards because I wanted to be a, a stationary shop I created them because I love learning about the world through art and science and I wanted to bring those moments of wonder to other people who maybe mm. saw saw the world in a similar way but couldn't find a way to express it. So I wanted to try and tap into that a bit more. And one idea I had floating around for probably about two years before I actually tried it was this idea of the Stardust Society, which is loosely based on you know scientific societies where academics of a similar research interest come together and mentor each other and share ideas and have symposia and kind of learn together, learn to grow their field together. And uh, I, I work for some of those societies in my freelance work and they're really supportive, collaborative places, the ones that I've worked with. So I wanted to try and create something like that for people who maybe felt a bit like me when I was in London needing to have more mud in their life yeah yeah and um as a way to 
guide people through learning about a particular topic within nature through art and science. So I guess it's a, maybe the best analogy I guess I could think of for online business world is maybe like a mastermind where we all share our share our experiences, share our learning, share our creations, uh, but on a specific topic in nature. So I did a sort of pilot project, um, pilot version of it in October, uh, where we, it was called Rooted, under the ancient forests where trees and fungi talk. And it's all about this incredible connection that fungi have with tree roots in the soil. They help to spread, send messages from one tree to another tree. And they also have this kind of symbiotic relationship where the tree gives the fungus carbon and the fungus reciprocates with um, nutrients that the tree isn't able to get from the soil, like phosphorus. And it was a really... I really enjoyed that experience. The setting up of it was quite stressful because I did it in a really short t- uh, yeah. space of time. You always need longer than you think. <laughs> yes. And I'd originally wanted to do it in all, you know, start setting up in August, but I ended up getting ill and, and had to recover at that point. Uh, but I still really wanted to try it. And because it's seasonal, I want them all these sort of start society adventures, I'm calling them, to be seasonal. Um, it had to be in October. So <laughs> I just had to uh, pull it together. And it was a, a shorter version of it. But um, I really enjoyed doing it. I think there's still lots of things I could change to make it perhaps a bit more accessible and easy for people to take part in. But I think that's probably... A direction I'd like to take We Are Stardust in. I also think it would help with making it more sustainable because if I want to earn, earn the majority of my income from We Are Stardust, I would have to sell a huge number of greetings cards and prints, which I'm just not capable of doing unless I go down the wholesale route, which I don't want mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is um, so there's a few sort of practical reasons for pivoting, but there's also this. Um, realization that the reason I started with Astalis was to connect with other people who really want to get in touch with nature through art and science. Mm. See, what's so interesting to me (laughs) is that we're about to talk about purpose and how you don't feel you've quite got a, a lid on it, but everything you have described for the last 20 minutes has been completely purpose-driven and very clearly linked to a very, in my mind, clear sense of purpose and that you've not done what a lot of people who uh, create products do, which is focus on the product and the product is the thing. It's always been about what goes on what, what the product stands for and that, that it's been clear that this is a card that is an application of a greater sense of wanting to connect with the art and the science and to learn and to discover. So it's just, I, I'm so interested into why you feel you don't have that when it's just, you've just laid it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased you can see that so clearly. Maybe I've been overthinking it. Um, I, I suppose what I I know why I I love it right and why I want to do it, but I suppose the bit I get stuck on is how I'm serving my community and creating something like the Stardust Society, mm. and why they would want to be part of this. We are Stardust world. Yeah, and I think that's especially true when it's something that is kind of fun for want of a better word it's not like it's for your business or for whatever that you can kind of it's bad that it's like this but when it's something for work or for for your kids or whatever it's easier to justify than something that's fun for you so really focusing on what that result is for people and it's is it sounds strange to use the word result in this context because yeah they're not gonna I don't know get 100,000 Instagram followers or whatever because that's where we go to when we hear result but it is there is still going to be a transformation in their life that is a transformation that they want to happen so it's getting really clear on what that is and how you facilitate that. Yeah that's a really good point the transformation side of things. I think for me there's a Part of the trouble with words like connection and belonging and nature is they're so big, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes I feel it can it can just sound very sort of generic and like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. want to connect with nature. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
and why the science and art as well. So this is where it gets quite, I try to describe it, but it gets really specific. So I can't get that mm-hmm. nice thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, for me, what I'd love people to feel at the end of, I don't know, either by purchasing a card or a print or by the end of one of these adventures is kind of a deeper understanding and knowing of the world that we're part of. I often have trouble with the word nature even because it implies something other, right? Whereas we are nature as well. Yeah. So I hope that my work can help people realise that and open up kind of hidden stories about the beings that we share our our world with um, and the landscapes. So, for example, I loved, there was one summer where I was cycling with my daughter on my bike. I just had this beautiful summer breeze come into, you know, breathing into this beautiful summer's breeze as I was was cycling. We just went past a cherry tree. And this is what I mean by connection. So all I could think of was those oxygen atoms that are coming into my lungs and helping me to, you know, my blood to provide energy to all my cells. Where had they come from? Had they come from the cherry tree that would would just breathe them out as part of, um, you know, the photosynthesis? Had they come from... I don't know, across the whole ocean to into my lungs. How many other people have they passed through? Um, so I think that kind of connection between us, between other people, other living things we're part of and um, landscapes that we inhabit kind of provides this way of, um, I'm trying to think. I'm with you. Three. I'm with you. I'm so with you. I know exactly what you mean. Kind of commonality, you know, the divisions aren't there anymore. We we are all the same. We are all stardust. Yeah. So that's um that's what I'd love people to feel this kind of sense of belonging and also dissolving into everything at the same mm. time. See, well, and this is what the way that you you are talking now, where it's difficult to find the right words and to and to refine it down is I think we can feel like, oh, I don't have it. I don't know it. When actually this is the purest form of you knowing it because you know it wordlessly. It is, it's there in that limbic part of your brain. It's inside you. You know it so much like it's a part of you. And that means it is difficult to put into words. So it doesn't mean you don't know, it means you know it too well. <laughs> and you're right that words like connection and connect with nature, it's like, yeah, so what? And that also that's not it. And they, it can become quite a, uh, not a lazy way to do it, but it's too hard to think of the actual word. So you use a word like connection, even though it's not the right one. And so what I would, uh, what I was thinking is also as part of the name of We Are Stardust, it's trying to break down that word sort of like connection because I think that is really, if you were going to put your purpose into one word, it would be connection because it's connection with the world and other people and yourself and all that kind of thing. And so something that came into my head when you were talking is rather than we are all connected or we're all connected to nature, it is we are a part of everything. And just... Just twisting the words like that slightly is what starts to bring the uniqueness in because what you, the way that you do approach things is more unique because there there are probably people out there who will talk about, um, you know, breathing in the summer's breeze from a kind of yogic point of view, a mindfulness point of view. There's not many people talking about where did the oxygen atoms come from, but that is a very distinct way to connect to the world about you and get that same sort of result of presence and connection to nature and being a part of the world, but just in a way that is going to work better for some people that you know, aren't into the the more woo-woo-y side of things or they, they, they're woo-curious, if you like, but they, they can't quite get into it, that it is a, a a different door for people that they don't know maybe exists for them. Yeah. Like the science side is such a, a tricky thing, I find, um, with the community, I, I, you know, especially on Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time, and given the current climate as well, there's a lot of scepticism and I think particularly women were probably put off science at school. Um, and there are quite a few 
well, because this is a whole other topic, <laughs> there are quite a few <laughs> issues with, with um, I think, the way science is communicated that still portray that kind of superiority, mm-hmm. which I really hate. And I wonder if that sometimes puts people off. And what I'd love we are starters to do is to help people find an ownership over, you know, that's science is a human endeavor as well and mm-hmm. we can all we can all enjoy it right yeah yeah, yeah. i think and what's and i think as well with this and with some of the purpose stuff it's you don't have to tell everybody everything in one sentence right at the beginning and allow there to be a journey through the brand because yes there are some things that rightly or wrongly when somebody first stumbles upon your Instagram and they see science they'll be like oh not for me but actually in some ways putting the science right there at the beginning is actually a disservice to the customer because you're not then leaving the door ajar for them to come in and then discover oh actually this is (laughs) and something that I talk about quite a lot is the difference between what people want and what people need because they come to you with a, a very clear idea of what they want, but it might not be actually what they need, or they might have just completely ignored this other side of stuff because they think, well, that's not what I want. But by then engaging them through perhaps the art side more, or just a sort of storytelling side, you can get them, sneak the science in underneath, if you like, and get them to a point where they're appreciating the science without feeling like, they're doing science if that makes sense yeah yeah which might give them the i know some people really love it as well so there's some mm. people that really love that side of it because it's uh, something different um but i do wonder sometimes whether um it's a bit of a barrier i've also really loved the um the old words for science which is um natural philosophy mm. and i wonder if that would resonate more with people i i feel like it yeah I, that does feel like quite a yeah that feels like something that would resonate with me so yeah sort of less te- conjures up less techie images i think yeah let's bunt some burners and, and all that sort of thing <laughs> yeah and it, i it's, i don't mean it to sort of to hide it away because it's an important part but it doesn't have to be the first thing they see as they walk through the door if you kind of i always think that even if you've got a very digital based business to imagine a shop and how people kind of walk through it and experience it like not if you walk through a shop you don't just have this kind of floor to ceiling shelf of like here's everything as soon as you get in through the door there's there's bits that you come around and you experience it a little differently and to allow people that experience of unraveling more of your business and going deeper and deeper into it is also then what creates community because if everybody gets everything on the first by just looking in through the window then they're never going to come in (laughs) yeah it's really interesting yeah so I'm trying to think how, so this kind of leads on to what we, to this idea of how to simplifying, right? And how to mm-hmm. curate that journey within We Are Stardust, which I'm struggling with a little bit, I think partly because I'm pivoting. So I've got a lot of different card designs, for example, and print designs. And I've been wondering whether I need to sort of simplify those down even more. Mm-hmm. And then these adventures, which I imagine will be a fairly big investment, but not huge. And then I've also had these ideas for kind of mini adventures, which are kind of almost like the kits that you sell, where um, people can download an ebook and a an audio guide and do uh, go on a mini adventure on, uh, in their own time. So one that I was thinking of doing for winter was a winter stargazing one. So those are kind of the three levels I was thinking of at the moment, but that's a very sort of what the product is and the, yeah, the kind of journey side of it. I'm still a little confused. I also started nature journaling as well, which is something I came across at the beginning of last year, which is basically recording your interactions with nature on paper in whichever way suits you. So for me, that's through drawing and writing and sometimes try and do a little bit of research. It doesn't have to be on the, on the computer but you know peering under leaves that kind of stuff mm-hmm. dissecting things um so i started doing a bit more nature journaling and i've done um that's part of these uh science uh the starter society adventures we use nature journaling to start exploring a specific topic so for example one i'm th- the next one i'm thinking of doing is in spring and i was thinking about doing it 
on nesting, like mm. birds nesting, and then relating that to our own homes. So there's the sort of nature journaling side of things. And I've got kind of free seven-day nature journaling email prompt um, project that you can sign up for. So there's lots of different bits, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd love to yeah, talk with you how to kind of simplify and and provide that journey that you're just talking about yeah and I think it's it's good to have that you have to start with the ideas that actually you're excited about because otherwise nobody else is going to get excited about so it's it's not something to think oh I've just I've just gone into the 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 what and all the, the detail because you have to be excited about it in order to be able to make other people excited about it so that's the first thing and they're not completely disparate different things. There is definitely, they're levels of kind of the same thing, of this of the same journey, if you like. And so it's probably just about making sure that the, the choice is easy for people. So rather than it being like, there's 150 cards and there's like five different versions of the mini one and then there's six different, like just keep keep a lid on those a little bit of, of the options in each one. And then what, the next step is so you've got all the different ideas it's then starting to go okay well I'm now going to imagine I am my ideal person the ideal person that I would want to be in the Stardust Society what what do they want what do they need where are they now where do they want to get to how do they want their life to be different and then what are the steps that's going to take them from the first place to the second place and make sure that all your ideas are those steps. So there's nothing superfluous to those steps that's going to actually overwhelm them and mean that they can't finish taking that journey. Or there's nothing that's going to be a distraction and take them off somewhere so they can't finish that journey. Your job is to make sure that that person gets to that end point because that's how you get a happy customer because they get the thing, they get to the place that they wanted to be. And we all want to think well I'll just add more and that'll be valuable but we've got to remember that our job isn't to provide as much as we can our job is to provide what we promise the result that we promise Mm -hmm. and certainly the things that I've in terms of courses and things that I've really enjoyed are ones where that feel least overwhelming yeah (laughs) from a customer (laughs) side No, yeah, manageable. You could actually do it. <laughs> yeah, complete and then it. You have that satisfaction, yeah. feeling of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that then, in terms of then how you sell and market it, it becomes much easier because you're focusing on that result rather than here's all the things, which isn't what's going to inspire anyone. Like the idea of, oh, I'm going to start a nature journaling practice and actually stick with it is much more of an enticing prospect than I'm going to have 150 videos about how to nature journal yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think how to define that sort of result, which is kind of what I tried to explain through the oxygen example, but how to kind of phrase it in a way that... Um, uh, that people could uh, digest quickly rather than having to read a whole story. Yeah, I think it's well. You can you can do both as well. That I think you know, if you were to do an Instagram caption of the oxygen story, then that people do learn through that way. Like th- that's the how I understood what you were talking about was from that story because I could I could understand that. But then yes, for sales pages and stuff, you do want something that's kind of more bullet pointy. And so, yeah, it's sitting with what that is. And if you think about what that story is and then going in and be like, well, the easy thing to say is, oh, you connect with nature. And it's, well, it's not connecting with that. It's an understanding that allows you to be present within the world. Kind of feels more like, oh, well, I am looking for presence <laughs> and groundedness and those kind of things. So it's it's just really, in a lot of ways, it's finding the right synonym. <laughs> Because there are some things that are going to connect with people more than others. Yeah, well, that's it. There's a beautiful, I don't know if you've ever come across Robin Wall Kimra, who's a botanist and a Native American descendant. She um, She's written really beautiful books. And one of them that I've read is Braiding Sweetgrass, which I totally recommend. And she sees also the world through kind of two lenses, through her Native American um, ancestry, where it's exactly what I've just been talking about. You know, you're, everyone is part of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and also through her kind of biology side. So when she was t- talking about when she lectures her students and she asked me, you know, why did you decide to study plant sciences? And you know, all the reason, because um, I love nature, da, 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 da. Um, she says, well, what about if the earth loves you back? And there's, I don't know what it is about that, this kind of feeling of, as in terms of result, you taking the time to understand and get to know the world around you more is an expression of your love for mm. the world that we're in. Mm. And then maybe you start to see some love coming back to you. Um, so she gives um, an example of um, what plants can teach you. And I noticed recently on your stories, you know, you had these metaphors of the the, the tree clinging onto that rock and all that <laughs> kind of thing. So you start to notice these kind of patterns and, and you learn from nature too. And she was talking about in her tribe, you know, if you there are certain situations, difficulties you're having in your life, they'd say, go and spend some time with the tree people basically go and spend some time with trees um so yeah she uh, and they would teach you things so this kind of um i'm trying what i'm trying to say is i guess that love and love is part of this connection side of things as well mm. love and belonging but again they're quite big words big words yeah and so i maybe instead of the thinking so much about the word result which i think can you know you come up with like a little box of something it's how their life is going to be different afterwards and the ways in which and that that then become can become you can get quite specific about that like you will never walk past a tree again <laughs> you know you'll you will have a a different kind of connection to that tree and you will be able to feel about the earth in a different way and that can be something like in some ways it might be help to be a springboard for people to move into more kind of eco-activism if they wanted to or it can be a springboard into just a journey into the self and there are ways that people can go with it but it's where how far you want to take them and yeah just thinking about how their life is going to be different and better yeah afterwards there's a nice quote that I'm just looking at at the moment from the International Journaling on Nature Journaling Week website where it says, when we allow nature to sink, deep, sink deeply into our hearts, it can profound, profoundly change the way we feel and interact with the world. Nature connection brings inner connection and peace. What better way to live life? So I guess it's mm. things like that that I could um, bring out a bit more. Mm. And also with something like this, it's the experience of being in it as well. That that is... That is also a result, if you like, is that you spend time with other people who get it because <laughs> Lord knows we don't all have that, you know, that, um, you know, somebody who is really interested in this kind of thing, but that, you know, their family is like, what the hell are you talking about? Being able to be around like-minded people is a huge thing for them. And to start something that they've always wanted to do, but never been able to to keep to just actually get going with that's another thing that will make their life different so it's also that the ex- the experience can be enough as well because you know that's the reason why we well we don't at the moment but why people go to theaters and things like that is because you want to experience that thing it's why we travel yeah that's so true i'm trying to just bring up um so i did a, a, do a survey with the people who um did the rooted adventure in October and I did ask them um, why did you join the Stardust Society adventure? What were the main reasons? For creative inspiration was the biggest. To meet a community of like-minded people and for gentle accountability to get outside. Yeah, And see, they're not like world-shattering transformations but it makes a huge, they are things, they are the stuff of life. Mm. So I think that's, and I am conscious as well that I'm using words like transformation and result, and that that takes us to a place where you think, oh God, I've got to change the world. But yes, it, the, and that. So what you've just read out is what I mean by that. Is it does a transformation doesn't have to mean that you're a completely different person. It just means that your life is ever so slightly better than it was before. Mm. It's that thing, I guess, of. Um... Yeah, back to how I was feeling needing more mud in my life. It's that gentle towards that yearning that's inside everybody for, you know, living in the way that they want to live and not being able to. Mm-hmm. I guess it, it would help with nudging people towards 
towards realizing that yeah 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 that's so true so thank you that's really helpful I'm just thinking <laughs> lots <laughs> I was just gonna say how have we kind of got to a point where it's feeling a bit clearer or have we just kind of opened up a whole box of things and now it's all out on the ground <laughs> no it's it is really helpful I think this um the trans focusing on the transformation is going to be really useful and then I need to just get a bit more specific about the uh, product and services how they relate to that and try not to do too much <laughs> and try not yeah. to keep pushing more and more yeah and something that I have probably, I forget where I talk about things, probably talked about it here, is that what the minimal viable product. So what's the least you can do? Even if you just use it as a thought experiment to be like, what is the absolute least I can do? And that can really help you to, so for example, if you've got, I don't know, 15 card designs if you're thinking well what's the least I can do that will help you actually go well although I do like this one maybe I don't need to produce it yeah yeah I have been wondering if the society adventures are seasonal ones whether to just have a sort of rotating seasonal release of new designs and it's I'm also a bit lost on Twitter because I've got some designs that have been around since 2016 that are kind of the I don't know if you call it evergreen or, you know, they're yeah. always there. Or whether to, because I've seen other product-based businesses do this, to bring out sort of a new thing each season. And then at the end of the season, they're gone. And mm. then there's new things for the next season, which is quite nice keeping it fresh, but also feels like a slight pressure to keep producing stuff. But yeah. then if I am doing a, a, a Starter Society course each or adventure each season as part of that people get a welcome pack and that has you know a whole load of designs in it yeah it's and you can it also you, you can reuse and reuse it doesn't ha not everything has to be a brand new thing so as you're saying that it if you've got a seasonal focus for the stardust society it might be that people can't join in with that but they might want you know a print <laughs> related to that topic and so you can and that can be your seasonal thing and you're, you've not done any extra work you've just used something that you're using for something else and I think that what people can feel is that that's like I don't know I feel this sometimes is oh I'm not providing value for money because it already exists but it's like it's actually just consistency and a joined up brand um, where it makes absolute sense that, well, over here in my premium offering, we're focusing on this. I understand that's not accessible for something. So here's a way you can buy into it in a small way. And maybe next time you can join in. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And maybe maybe I could do those mini adventures alongside the mm. status adventures. So that, yeah, if you can't make the investment for the full adventure, you can then have a you know do one on your own time with with the um ebook and audio guide and that makes your activity that in terms of well in terms of literally creating the stuff but also in marketing and promotion and and just how you're showing up it makes it so much easier because you're not jumping from one thing to the other and like oh well i'm talking about trees over here but i'm talking about uh, I don't know, daffodils over there. I can't, how am I going to put that all together? If you've got a seasonal focus, it all becomes a lot more cohesive and then people can just pick the way that they can engage with that. And especially because you're splitting it between your time, between the freelance stuff and we are stardust. Like it's just going to make that so much more efficient. Yeah. And I think I also need to accept that, <laughs> you know, I want to, we are starting to make money right now and I, I just have to accept that it's going to take a while to build these um you know to build these adventures and um new products and be okay with that it's really mm. difficult mm. <laughs> yeah if, I, yeah I mean those that's the thing when you, you are doing an offering like the stardust society so getting around the fact that well you could put it on pre-order that's the way that you could make money right now is put on pre-order. But yeah, you have to have the thing. <laughs> and the same with the products as well. Yeah, it just takes a bit of time, doesn't it? And I just need to be patient with that. Have you got a waiting list? Sir? I've got, no, I haven't got a waiting list as such. I've got the list of people who were interested in the last one. I would start, and for when this goes out as well, put a waiting list up just to 
as a bit of accountability for yourself to get a sense of how how it's landing the way that you're talking about it especially if you're sort of uh, sharing the the pre-launch or the preparation part of it it gives you a call to action before you've got a call to action um so I would set up a waiting list and it just kind of makes people feel excited and you know there's I'm sure there's people listening who are like okay well where can I sign up and it just yeah it enables that whenever people hear about it so say even if you're talking about it on Instagram and it's not going to be available for two months you're not relying on those people remembering and also happening to see it again in two months time they can do something to be like okay well I've I've signed up for that wait list yeah yeah, that's so true. I think I have got some sort of sign up thing, but I think I haven't updated it from the last adventure. So I need to do that. Yeah. Anyway, we could, that's really I feel helpful. like yeah, I'm just like, oh, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. Been, it's, been, <laughs> it's been really helpful. And just, you know, to hear someone say, I think you have got a purpose. <laughs> it's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's there's no doubt in my mind because um, I was reading through some of the things you said before and as you were talking I was like oh, it's just like it's right there at the surface it's so it, it's so purposeful you can't see it because the purpose is in everything <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you no it's, it's been really helpful I think the big takeaway for me is that thinking about this kind of transformation that people would have as being part of uh the things that i offer Mm. and that being the kind of common thread throughout all of them that's really helpful what they're going to get outside of what they actually get that makes sense yeah so i have one last question for you which is how do you grow with soul in your work and life so for me it's learning and i'm still on this journey learning to listen to that inner voice (laughs) and the way I like to think about it is like um, a beautiful ancient little stream that's kind of babbling in the background Mm. and it's right next to a motorway that's kind of got screaming cars down it and you have to listen really carefully to be able to hear it and I'm learning um, slowly how to do that Um, so yes that's that would be my thing to try and get closer to that voice and to um, to act on it yeah I love that tune into it and tune out the motorway (laughs) Mm, really difficult at times I also have to ask where people can find you I always forget to do that (laughs) (laughs) after all that talking about promotion Um, so um, you can find me on Instagram at wearestardustuk and my website is uh, we are stardust.uk. Unfortunately, the co.uk was taken. Um, and then uh, I've also got a, a newsletter, which I call the Stardust Journal. And you can sign up to that at bit.ly um, forward slash Stardust Journal. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any links we mentioned in this episode will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Agnes on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she is at wearestardustuk. If you think you have a friend who would really enjoy this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul. <laughs>